Hello everybody, welcome to the Back to Front show with me, your host, Liam Brown. Um, this is a show where basically we get to turn the tables on Midnight Back Bride. So he's on the other side of the table, he's getting asked loads of questions um, that he's not seen before. So it's all a little bit of improvisation for Midnight, um, but I'm sure he's going to rise up to the challenge. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> all right, Liam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh... Bit nervous, but yeah, all good. Bit nervous? Yeah, well, I never quite know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> no need to be nervous, brother. It's no, all good. No, um, yeah, I've just basically, I think for me, like a, a lot of the questions that I'm going to ask you today come up from from reading your book and good. From, yeah, our, yeah. from our last podcast. So I, I think firstly, thanks for offering me the opportunity to interview you. Wanted to get you back in the studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, been amazing. Yeah. It's been amazing to get to know you a little bit more deeply since we did the show, which is yeah. nice. And you're one of the people that suggested doing this exact mm -hmm. thing. And first time I thought, oh, I'll think about it. But four or five people came back to me and said, I was about, we flipped the tables. And I thought, yeah, all right, you know, let's do it. When I was reading your book, when we were doing the interview and, you know, pills to peace, dealer to healer, there was a lot of similarities with our story, which you picked Massively, up on yeah. in, our, in our show. Um, but I think something that was at really the heart of both our stories, even though it's probably not talked about as much in my book, is the Manjushri Buddhist uh, yeah, yeah, temple. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to ask you kind of, yeah, how did you how did you become a Buddhist? Because you class yourself as a Buddhist, yeah. That's right. Yeah. How did you how did how was the process of becoming a Buddhist? Yeah. Well, I'd always want to I wanted to learn how to meditate. Yeah. I always wanted to learn. And a lot of the places that I'd looked at for meditation, um, you know, there were courses in a few weeks and maybe in a few months mm -hmm. even. And they were expensive. And I'd had a nervous breakdown and I was desperate, you know, and I really needed to learn how to switch my mind off. That was, you know, that's been my problem, you know, half my life is the fact that my mind is overactive and, yeah. you know, I didn't have the skills to deal with that. And so I overthink everything, became depressed, angry, all of these things. And then it was a bit of synchronicity and alignment. Uh, I actually went for a day out in the lakes. We drove past Manjushri by accident yeah. and I thought, Ah, I've seen that place. I remember mm. seeing a post about it or something. So we went in and there was a course starting the following week on the Friday. And yeah, it just all fell into place. And with the meditation came the Buddhism. Now, I never mm -hmm. went there to learn Buddhism. I never wanted to become a Buddhist. I wanted to learn how to meditate, but the two just go hand in hand. You yeah, know, yeah. They, I, I mean, you'll know about this as well. You've recently done an interview, haven't you, with a Buddhist nun? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Gen Lechog. Yeah, yeah. She's... Whose name I couldn't pronounce. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I, love, I, love. I kept forgetting because it's uh, not a Dave, a Tom, an Anne and a Peter, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Cho Sang, Sang Chen, Yangden. At first, mm. you just can't get the names. You can't get them. It takes lots of practice, you know, and yeah. they all sound the same, you know, so. But... Yeah, so I wanted to learn how to meditate. The Buddhism was a, a secondary thing that mm -hmm. I sort of learnt whilst I wanted to learn how to meditate. That came with it, mm -hmm. and I just took to it, and I thought, actually, this is the first... It's not a religion, it's a school of thought, yeah, theology, yeah. whatever you want to call it, but it was the first thing that made sense. Men and women are treated equally. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't persecute gays, and they don't judge people because of their sexuality. Mm -hmm. You're not going to hell. It doesn't matter <laughs> what religion you are. Everybody shows compassion and love. I mean, yeah, yeah. that all makes sense to me. All the other religions I'd seen, although in the core, I think in their essence, they're all good, mm -hmm. certainly initially. Um, they have parts of them that just don't make sense to me, you know, like why a, a man could be a priest and a woman couldn't at one point, or yeah, why, yeah. you know, uh, 
certain Christian faiths judge people if they're homosexual or mm. why are you going to hell if you don't do this and stuff? You're not. Yeah, you make yeah. your choices and that's it, yeah. you know, good or bad. So, yeah, yeah, it made sense. And that's the doorway into it for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's what appealed to me um, about it was just like that that really real harmony and balance in the mm. you know it being a religion but it doesn't for me it doesn't feel like a religion because religion's yeah. something that seems to be forced down your yeah. throat or like well, they don't a, even they don't even they're not trying to convert you when no, you go no, there no. So it's like, and i remember being in church as a kid you ask a priest a question and you know he, he doesn't like it especially because mm. i was a clever dick and he couldn't answer them you know and it, <laughs> uh, well, well and it was easy to pull the story I, I thought this doesn't make sense hang on i can do, i can pull this to shreds yeah, yeah. second time you're getting a clip around the ear or you're going to the headmaster's office so they didn't invite yeah. debate a buddhist will sit down and invite debate they want to tell you because mm. what they're saying it's sort of bulletproof it makes sense so why not discuss it why not question it yeah. you know and they yeah. don't get angry with you not at they all just talk to you no. so it's none of this it's like friction and you create more friction and it builds and builds and when yeah. you explode it's just like all my life I'd never felt in a peace and the first time I went mm. on a retreat I left that retreat and I felt bliss and I felt inner mm. peace and I'd never felt that before and that was a game changer then yeah, I thought yeah. I don't know exactly what's happened I'm not quite sure how this works but I need more of that in my life mm. I need that yeah. you know because that's going to save my life totally yeah. and that's what's that's what's exquisite like we both had these life-changing moments yeah. at Manjushri yeah. uh, mine was I love the way you say it say it again Manjushri <laughs> how'd you say it Manjushri 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 the Bolton twang yeah. we're only half an hour away from each other <laughs> <know>. as well <laughs> it's different up here mate know, it's different up here mate no just like to have to have profound life-changing experiences at the yeah. same place I'm, I'm guessing there's thousands of people who've had profound yeah. life-changing experiences I mean, there that's what life's about it's not about accumulating stuff it's about experience because mm. you know you lie on your deathbed and you say well you know what i've lived i've had experiences i've loved i've laughed i've experienced pain i've had yeah. you know an awakening i've experienced spirituality mm-hmm. and things like this you don't want to say well i've got six cars four hours and well so yeah but are you happy yeah. you know and i remained angry for 45 yeah, fucking yeah. years and i'm all bent and twisted yeah, but I, i'm loaded yeah, exactly <laughs> and exactly it just it freed me up that was the thing it got yeah. rid of my made me realise that there was a choice to my anger and I'd never been mm. given that and I felt like a stone lighter when I left there. Yeah, it's so empowering when you realise, oh, actually, I chose that. Oh, well, if I chose it, then I can make a different choice. Oh, hang on, I'm yeah, in charge, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. the creator, I'm the manifester. Yeah, and you realise, yeah, yeah. and then you, you realise you can do anything, you know, you, anything mm. is possible, you know, yeah. you're in charge. Yeah. Totally. So being a Buddhist, when when does that like, when did that kind of, do you get a certificate or is that just a choice you make psychologically, no. like intellectually, like to say, I am a Buddhist? Yeah, it took me a long a time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me a long time to say it because yeah. I used to go in secret for a long time. And mm-hmm. I, there was even a Buddhist centre in Bolton here. I think it's still there. And yeah. I used to attend, but I'd, I'd sneak in. I didn't want people to see me at first, mm-hmm. you know. But then I did, not everybody does, but I took what they call your Buddhist app for vows, you know. So you're going to make choices in your life that you're going to promise that you're mm-hmm. going to try and behave like a Buddhist for you know, and you're going to show compassion and you're going to mm. show discipline and make good choices and all of these things. And, and I very seriously considered going down the path of, you know, becoming a monk. And I went on many, many retreats there. Many, I'd lost count. I got past 30, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was there all the time, once a month at least mm-hmm. for a week or two weeks. I was just there all the time. And, yeah, so, yeah, there's no qualification, nothing like that. Obviously, if you become ordained and you become mm-hmm. a Kelsang, 
Um, a lot of people actually teach Buddhism and aren't ordained. They're a, yeah, a lay yeah. person. They just wear a normal shirt, don't they? Yeah, they just <laughs> wear normal gear. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so no qualification, anything like that. You just, but I suppose if I listed all the retreats I'd done and mm. all the courses I'd done, I, I studied Geshe yeah, yeah. Kelsang Gyatso's text and literature for a long time. And you can see it in your face, man. It's like you're awake and alive and good well yeah, i feel yeah. it last time we did the interview we talked about this earlier because we just had a a really nice healthy shake and i had a falafel because <laughs> yeah. you hadn't eaten and we talked about the fact that last time we did the show even though it was a great show and everything i wasn't feeling good i was out of sorts mm. i've been out of sorts for a few days this time today i played you a dance tune in the car on the way mm. here called good love and i'm feeling awesome today i'm feeling really good i feel recharged energized yeah, yeah. i feel like and I, this this will tell you something when you when you're in a state of bliss, focus manifests because things mm -hmm. happen. I was outside before and I was thinking, how am I ever going to make this pay? You know, because mm -hmm. at some point, you know, <clears throat> I, it needs to sustain itself. What I do, and then within literally one minute, I walked outside and somebody says, "Oh, what do you do?" And I said, oh, "Well, I have a studio over there and we film." Mm -hmm. Says, "Oh, we've just been doing some." Um, some promotional videos, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, for the HR department and stuff. She says, but we've got a noise of a washing machine in the background. I said, oh, well, you know, you could come in and I'd do it with you in the studio. And I think yeah. they're going to come in and do some filming in here. Awesome. That happened within a minute of me having this thought. And it just, mm -hmm. and I know it's because I feel good. Because yeah, yeah, I quite yeah, often yeah. feel good, but not this good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on fire today. I feel, yeah. I'm, I know I'm shining. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm shining. I'm shining. <laughs> yeah. Shining, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were shining last. Last time, mate, yeah. I was, you know, it's, it's something that, like, I think in the spiritual community as well, or it, just in life, there's, you know, some people might have cancelled that show that we did because they were feeling a bit rubbish. There's yeah. certain things where you have to just, you just power through. Like, I had, an, I had a situation on, a, I think it was Tuesday night, where I was just, I was just really, I'd woke up, I hadn't slept well, I'd had a couple of business meetings, um, and I was supposed to be doing something in the afternoon, and I just... I knew that I could do that thing tomorrow. So I just said to my friend, is it okay if we cancel and push yeah. it to tomorrow? And he was like, yeah. And I just got in bed at like four o'clock in the afternoon, give yeah. myself permission and just rested and then got up mm. the next day. It was fantastic. You it's know what I mean? important felt, to do that, yeah. It felt amazing. It's just kind yeah. of listening to the rhythms of the body a little bit. I was never going to cancel that last show because I wanted to meet you. <laughs> that, that's it. I wanted yeah. to meet you, yeah. you know. I thought... Can he really be as shiny and bubbly as is, you know, portrayed on social media? <laughs> and you, you excelled yourself. You exceeded my expectations. Cheers, brother. Try it's just that's just my natural state. You know what I, I mean? Know. It's like to piss about, be, uh, have a laugh, enjoy things. Yeah. Not take anything serious. It's just a computer game at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, it's all a dream. Try and get better levels, level up, <laughs> <laughs> and better powers. Yeah, yeah. By the practices that we're doing. Um, so yeah, the next question was, so spiritual awakening. What would be the the biggest baseball bat around the head that boom was like, okay, this is the moment. I know now that I've got to change. Probably when I had the nervous breakdown, I can recall the day and I've had two. Mm. So I've not had one, I had another one. But I remember, I can tell you about both briefly. The first time I was working in Wales and mm. I was running a tunnelling project in Wales yeah. And I was highly stressed, very unhappy, getting no sleep. Mm. Because I was so unhappy, I had a very unhealthy diet. I wasn't exercising properly. I was taking steroids at the time, you know. So things weren't going well. Mm. I got angry. I was an angry man, you know what I mean? I might seem nice like that, but the point, 
the trigger for me to snap mm. was so delicate, you know. And yeah, I shouted a lot and all of these things. Anyway, I one morning I woke up and I couldn't move. And I thought, what's going on here? And then I just broke down. I was crying. And it was at that point I thought, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I can't do this anymore. So I quit my job that day, just quit my job. And then for a long period, I didn't go outside, I didn't see anybody. And I had to do some serious fixing, you know, some self-healing and try and put myself back together. But in order to do that, you have to dismantle everything that's in place initially. So you have to go through that process. It's like somebody's died, you're grieving. And, you know, you physically, it was very difficult having a wash. You know, when you're really, really depressed and down, you've had a breakdown. The basic... Functional things you do on a daily basis, having a wash, clean your teeth and stuff, become difficult. You you mm. you don't even want to move. You're Looking just, in the mirror, you don't want to look at yourself. You, don't you just stir into through. space, into empty space, and just think, what's the point? You know, what is the point in this? But there is a point. The second time, a few years later, I thought I'd cracked it all, but I was doing what I love, but I ended up having to go back onto a construction site. So I was working a job from, you know, six in the morning till six at night, getting up from two till six in the morning, writing, six at night, doing classes, meditations, workshops, weekends as well. And there was no, you know, I was getting two hours sleep a night and I did that for a long time. Mm. And again, I folded. I remember in a car park, I just had a breakdown in the car, sat on my way to work. Three or four hours passed. I was just crying in the car and I'd lost track of time had disappeared. Mm. I looked down and I thought it was 15, 20 minutes, four hours had passed. Mm. And that was, I quit my job and I, I had to thought, I've got the all out of balance again, got it all wrong, you know. Mm. Both of those moments were a wake-up call where you think, you know, especially the second time, because once you've had a nervous breakdown, you think, oh, I've got this, it won't happen again. Mm. It can happen. It can happen twice, three yeah. times, you know. Walt Disney had, I think, seven nervous breakdowns, mm -hmm. you know. Especially if you're passionate about what you're doing, it's it's all about balance, isn't it? You know, mm. you'll know. Totally, and that's that's something I'm kind of in my own life searching for at the moment because a lot of new things are happening, and it's like, okay, I've got to find moments where I can rest. Do you know what I mean? Moments where I can recoup because it's in, it's yeah. important. I'm doing a lot of energy work, and it's like, okay, I, I know that after a ceremony, I need the next day off to just rest yeah. and do nothing. Well, I've gone. I was doing seven days a week again, jumped into the seven day a week thing and I was doing that for a few mm. weeks. I'm back to, I am working on Saturdays and I do come in the office on Sunday morning for one hour, but <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Sunday is pretty much my sacred day, yeah, you yeah. know, and I, I, I have to come in just literally there's one thing I do on a Sunday, mm. it takes me an hour. Beyond that, that's my day and I switch off and whatever it is, it'll wait, you know, mm. the world will wait. I have to have a bit of downtime, you know, I've got to factor that in. Totally. Yeah, it's yeah. important. It's just, yeah. and then when new things come in, it's yeah. like little things will trigger it. And sometimes yeah. people will say to me, Oh, you need to do this. And it's not until I'm ready to hear that that I'll go, I need to do that. And it's not, I'm going, I'm taking credit for this idea. Yeah. It's just like, it's when I feel ready that it feels, okay, yeah, she's right. I mm. need to do, I need, do need to rest, you know. An example of that is I know somebody that read the book, The Secret, which is a great book, mm -hmm. but it read it, didn't get it, didn't like it, anything. Two years later, picked it up, changed the life. They mm. just weren't ready. Exactly. You know, yeah. you, you if your door isn't open, if you're not ready to learn those lessons mm. or receive, then, you know, you have mm. to be ready, don't you? They say, only when you're ready, the teacher will appear. Totally. You know? And only will something resonate and the vibration of it resonate with you when your vibration's at that vibration, you know? Exactly. These films you watched when you were a kid, 
you're just like, what? And you watch it now and you go, ah, okay. Hey, you exactly. Know? Yeah. And there's also films I watched when I was a kid that I thought were awesome. I'd watched again and I thought, I can't believe I watched that crap. <laughs> what film? What film? It's called House. It's a horror film. And okay. I remember watching it at school and I thought it was fantastic. And I watched it again yeah. and it's the worst film, uh-huh. you know, but there yeah. you go. Um, so the next question was about, is about tunneling. Because mm. it, it, you know, it, it's so far removed from what you're doing like I worked on building sites but tunneling's another mm. it's like another world it's almost like being a miner in it you know yeah well I, I'll let you finish your question go on yeah no I just wanted to I wanted to know obviously a lot of that looking back it was an element of it was so intense that it made you wake up but is there any things where you look back and you go actually that was a really good lesson from that that I've learned that I can take you know, because I sometimes revert back to football training, you know what I mean? And yeah. little practices and disciplines that I learned that, I, okay, yeah, I, I regurgitate them in my yoga classes. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything like that that came from tunneling? Along with tunneling, I've worked on nuclear power stations, football stadiums, uh, bridges, motorways, viaducts, tunnels, lots of large civil engineering projects. And what came from that perhaps is, yeah, if you come into the studio here, you'll see it runs quite smoothly. Uh, you know, it's I try and make it very professional, very yeah. organised. And you come in, you arrive, you get your briefing, we go through mm-hmm. the notes. I give you a quick heads up on how things are done. I operate everything. That element of something running like clockwork comes from working in the construction industry, mm-hmm. running big projects because, you know, they have to run like clockwork. And so you... Or someone will die. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And I've, I've been on sites where people have, not sites I've been running, I will say, but people where people have been badly injured or died, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's terrible. But on sites I've been running, there's never been anybody seriously injured. And yeah, you have something running smoothly. And so there's no, there's very little room for error as well. If you're doing a tunnel and you're a foot that way and you're tunneling from two sides, for example, then you've got a problem, haven't you? <laughs> channel tunnel, you just go past each other. <laughs> I can't get to you yet. <laughs> well, what it is, we've got two tunnels now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'd say there's there's some positives I could draw from it, but not mm. many, to be honest. I'm glad I'm not doing that at the moment. You know, it makes me ill. I don't like it. But I guess then the, the quality that you've you've said is just your organisation. It's give you that mm. that organisation. Yeah, I, I think that comes from me, not the industry, but it, mm-hmm. it taught me how to apply it. Yeah, you know, when yeah, you've yeah. got lots of machines, lots of men, lots of things happening, mm-hmm. it's got to run smoothly. So there's a lot of planning, programming, organisation involved. So I practised those skills over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next, the next question, which I guess again comes from the tunneling, and I experienced this when I was working on building sites, um, where you talk in your book a lot about severe anxiety. Yeah. And I had severe anxiety. Um, and I couldn't even talk to people on site. I was like, it was just like there was nothing. I was like, where's whatever's been inside me my whole life? Where's it gone? Mm-hmm. And trying to reconnect with that. So is that is that is that what you would classify as severe anxiety? Yeah, I mean, when you're really anxious, I, and I still have days like that. Mm-hmm. They do happen. If I'm anxious, I don't want to see anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around anybody. Now, I know you need to talk about it and tell people. And I do have that those people around me now, if I'm not feeling great, I could, there's one or two people I can tell, but mm-hmm. I don't, I, when I'm not feeling good, I don't want to give that energy out to the people. I don't want them to mm-hmm. know that I'm not feeling good. And, and I don't, 
I don't want to engage. So yeah, when you're feeling anxious, you don't want to. Mm-hmm. You, you, those skills, you just become mm-hmm. very. I become very introvert. Yeah, you know. And on a construction site, for me, I think if you're doing anything that you don't love, you're mm-hmm. slowly dying. It's yeah, killing yeah. your spirit. Plucking a flower and then you start mm-hmm. to will. Do something you love, and it's like the sun's shining on you, and mm-hmm. you know you you you're bathing in bliss. It's beautiful. So mm-hmm. for a construction site, for me is. I don't want to be there and I, I I start to get this sense of dread and this deep anxiety and it's horrible when you're spending all your time every day doing something that you have no interest in and you don't want to do and just doing it for money you feel like you're dying I do mm-hmm. I feel like I'm slowly dying inside mm-hmm. and and you feel that from a lot of people there's not there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of sparkly light people around in no, them spaces it's a very male orientated egotistical um, aggressive deceitful aggressive horrible environment you know mm-hmm. there are exceptions always you know there are some yeah, nice yeah. people but the majority um, go around shouting at people they think they're all this because mm-hmm. you know I'm in charge of 100 men and you think you're all this and that when really you're not you're a bit of a dick <laughs> 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 and sometimes I've had to work with these people for long periods and like I said there are some nice people they're not all like that if you get this spout of anxiety is there like something that a specific practice that you'll bring in to go to get yourself out of that state or do you just let it pass depends how severe it is Mm -hmm. if it's if it's not too severe then quite often if you can just remove yourself for a brief period or just focus on your breathing and try and switch off from external events Mm -hmm. and not let that influence your inner emotional state it does pass it always passes you know Mm -hmm. this too will pass but if it's severe anxiety then I, I need to, whatever I'm doing, I have to stop what you're doing, disconnect, mm-hmm. remove myself and fix myself. And that can take a little while, you know. Yeah. 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 I don't, if anybody's feeling anxiety, especially if it's constant, mm. it's a it's a really terrible thing. It's, you know, you feel sick, you can't eat, you can't digest your food, you're not sleeping well. When you don't sleep, yeah. there's lots of other health problems. And it spirals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Don't be afraid, no matter what situation you're in, because people quite often say, but I have to do this or I've got to do this. And mm-hmm. you don't. Your health, your mind, everything else is more important. Sometimes mm-hmm. just stop what you're doing. Just pause, stop and say, how do I feel? And if you really don't feel good, mm-hmm. you need to stop yeah. and move away. Not just stop yeah. temporary. You need to move away. You need to make another plan. You need so, to change direction. What's Activity. really beautiful about the lockdown is what you were just saying then. People had to stop. So many people have woke up. Mm. So many people have like had to stop and gone, what the fuck have I been doing for 10 years? Yeah. Jesus, it's like you've come out of a... Yeah. Lots of people are still in it, but it's just like a veil's been lifted. You're like, yeah. oh my God, I've just been running around like a blue-ass fly. Yeah, I say that in, in the book, you know, a lot of people are on a conveyor belt and you don't know you're on the conveyor belt. You're running at 100 <laughs> miles an hour and you have no time to look at anything or do anything, so you can't see the wood for the trees. Then... If you look it, you realise and get off, but usually you get thrown off. And then when you, you, you lay on the floor in a mess, you look back and you think, oh my God, I've been mm-hmm. on that treadmill all this time. Yeah, yeah, you gain perspective and clarity. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you never want to get back on. And that's why there's been so many people change career mm. recently in lockdown. A lot yeah, of people, totally. you know, their work environment's changed and they've had a little bit of time, maybe, some people, mm-hmm. to reflect on what they're doing and thought, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people have, had spiritual awakenings because it's, it's been so many because I've had people come into my like ceremonies like before March I didn't believe in any of this shit like Matt and March really you know I couldn't go out with my mates Friday Saturday Sunday and I really had to look at myself and I started investigating and you're like 
that's fucking amazing. That's yeah. so, it's been yeah. an amazing year. If you put the telly on, I say to everybody, put the telly on, have the BBC pumping it out, the mm. propaganda and news, if you, you know, they call it that. And you listen to that and you, you could believe that's what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Turn the television off, go outside, stand in nature, pause for a moment, look exactly. around and breathe. And you think, There's nothing wrong. Exactly. And then also talk to people <laughs> rather than listen to that, talk to other people who are yeah. like-minded, who are awake. Yeah. And you realise that's actually not what's going on. That's what mm-hmm. they want you to think's going on. That's what you want yeah. you to believe. But the reality is there's a very different picture. Yeah. Exactly. Go speak to the people whose mouths you can see and who are smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back to Midnight's childhood. Let's have a little journey back there. How was was that? Was it a standard upbringing or what was going on? Definitely not. In and out of Africa, lived in Africa for periods, came back with her for a few months, came back for a few months, moved around in lots and lots of different houses. I'm not saying I wasn't loved, um, but obviously there's... Not a lot of stability. And was well, this because of your father's job? Uh, well, yes, that's why we're in Africa. Yeah. But the moving houses was to do with um, doing houses up, you know, right, and then okay. getting another one. So again, I suppose through my father's flipping job. It. Yeah, flipping yeah, yeah. houses, basically. So by the age of 15, excluding Africa and staying at relatives and other things, I'd still been in about 15 different houses. And it's a real number we counted. And like, if you count mm. other places, it's more. But uh, And Africa, in and out of Africa. So he was never settled as a child? No. Not at all, no. I never formed, you know, I didn't stay at school very long. I went to lots of different schools. So, so the houses were in different areas as well, typically? Well, yes. Majority, they're in, they're in Bolton. But mm-hmm. each time I moved, I'd swap schools. I went to, I don't know, three or four primary schools, mm-hmm. two secondary schools, and mm-hmm. so on. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, also, as a kid, I think, a lot of kids, I, w- I always felt a bit different. I was about the mind, mm-hmm. you know. You know, at quite a young age, I was re- reading books about self-hypnosis and I was fascinated by the mind right. and I wanted to move objects and <laughs> experience telepathy and telekinesis and, yeah, Brilliant. all about the mind, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, nice. on the whole, yeah, a pretty, fairly happy childhood, I think you'd yeah, say, yeah. yeah. But, it, but I guess, you know, certain issues there, moving school, it's giving you anxiety all the time because you've got to make new friends but did you kind of get, eventually get used to moving schools and well, relax into it or was it always as traumatic got, it was never great but I think the first time you're heartbroken the second time mm-hmm. you're heartbroken after that you think I can't keep doing this and mm-hmm. so you learn you develop non-attachment mm-hmm. and that's why I'm the way I am people come in and out of my life and even if they're no longer in my life mm-hmm. I have a skill set where I can pretty much get over it quite quickly yeah, yeah. Uh, it's survival because that's what I had to do. When you were going through your dark periods, like your nervous breakdowns, your depressions, was when you was coming out of it, was there things that you realised from your childhood that you needed to heal? Was there specifics? Well, yeah, that's that's a difficult question to answer. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think going through my teens, I was... I was miserable. I started being miserable in my teens. You know, that started quite early on. And the drugs came along. And the drugs were always, for me, they were... I mean, obviously, it was fun at first. You know, for a long time, it was fun. But predominantly, I drank and took lots of drugs because I was miserable. Mm. You know, that's that's why a lot of people do it. You know, they think they're happy and they're partying at the weekend. The reality is, when I'm really happy, I don't drink much and I don't take drugs. Exactly. You know, when I'm miserable, I mean... 
I, I don't take recreational drugs now anyway, you know. Plant medicines I see as different anyway, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I you know, I, I drink very occasionally now. This year I've been out and drank twice. Mm-hmm. If I was miserable, I'd probably drink more, but because I'm so I'm generally happy, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't need to drink, I'm happy. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't need to drink to be happy and I don't need to drink because I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. I just drink occasionally. If I'm in the company, I think, yeah, I'll have a drink this time, you mm-hmm. know. And I enjoy it then. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. I still have hangover, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been drunk for fucking, God, no, I don't know how many years. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. the last time I had an hangover. There was a group of... Can't folk, handle them. <laughs> and, oh, no, it's a, it's a week. It's a week. I can't Horrible. run, I can't train, I can barely function. Yeah, yeah. I'd drunk twice this year, been out and actually drank. And I met four friends. We hadn't seen each other for, some of us, for 20 years. A long time. Mm. And we met up and, yeah, I got stinking drunk. And we had great fun. But mm-hmm. for two or three weeks after that, um, I, I couldn't function. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was I was a mess. You know, I think when you don't put the poisons and the mm-hmm. toxins in, your body yeah. gets, you know, sort of puts itself back together again and you're this pure being. And then you, you put the toxins in again. It's and like, oh. if you're not taking them on a regular basis, your body's forgotten what they're like and it can't fight them off. And you've got this severe contrast of feeling good and mm-hmm. feeling like death. It's it's so funny to me to think that you used to, you know, you used to be violent for yeah, money. Yeah. You used to be a steadhead. Like when yeah. I met you, you're so calm-mannered and you start telling me you used to batter people for money. I'm like, this guy, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> what? It's like, I just, it it seems so far removed, removed from who you are now. Yeah. Um, where did that all come from? Where did the violence start? Well... I, rem- I remember it started again, it started in my teens. But when you're angry as a young man, you that's, I mean, that's predominantly why violence occurs. It's an emotion mm. you can't control and it comes out in a physical form. And mm-hmm. I was incredibly angry and I was brought up that men are tough, men are strong and you don't show yeah. your emotions. And it's and it was a good thing to be tough, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if there was a problem, you beat somebody up, you know. Yeah. And my granddad, um, rest his soul, was notorious. He was like a, one of the toughest guys in the north of England at the time. I mean, mm. that level, you know, he was famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it was just, it's how I was conditioned and it was mm. completely normal. You have a problem, mm. you give somebody a good idea, that, mm. you know. And when it first started it's off... Which, the, yeah, it, it's normal where we, we're yeah. brought up in. And when I started off, initially in my teens, I, I got a couple of good ideas, you mm-hmm. know. And then one day I just stood up and decided, and I... I give somebody else a good idea in it, then, well, not a good idea, hit them a few times. I thought, well, that feels better than getting hit. <laughs> I'll do that from now on. And, I, and then I got quite good at it, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. yeah, I probably, it's not, it's not good, but it happened. It's yeah. all part of the path. It's all led you yeah. to it. It doesn't matter what's happened in our path. It's who we are now. It's, I've done horrific things and my dad's done horrific things. And yeah. it's just, it's, if we come from a place of forgiveness, it, we've got to forgive ourselves for those things that we did as well. Mm. And actually be grateful of them because they've led us to who we are now. And and I think a big part of it's ego as well, because I had a huge ego mm-hmm. and some people were my friends and, you know, we had gotten great, but other people's knew, you know, if I went in a club or something, everybody knew who I was and mm-hmm. some were a bit frightened of me. You know, and I knocked around with all the gangsters and all this kind of business. And so did you like that? At the time, yeah. But no, I didn't like people being frightened, to, to you know, but people I liked the you. notoriety. I mm-hmm. like walking in and I'd never queue up. I'd always go to the VIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be throwing money around. Everybody mm-hmm. knew I was synonymous with drugs. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I had a reputation. And yeah, I think, well, the other thing, if we're being truthful as well, as we talked about before, I used to 
you know, not now, but when I was younger, I slept around a lot. I slept mm-hmm. with lots of women. And that part of that ego, that deal, um, you know, some women like that, mm-hmm. you know. So that was, yeah, it was a messed up time. But There's there a lot of women like the bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, it's so funny that we, you know, obviously I'm a yoga teacher and we just, in that few sentences there, we touched on, We've got the, the yamas and niyamas. I don't know if you've, you must have heard of them. So the first yammer is ahimsa, non-violence. Yep. Second yammer is satya, uh, truthfulness. Mm. And the fourth yammer is brahmacharya, chastity. So, you know, controlling our urges, um, not overdoing certain things. Yeah. And it comes a lot into a sexual, sexual nature, you know, not sleeping around, sleeping with people. You know, you can still make love to people, but yeah. you have an energetic connection with uh, I guess what you're talking about was the same thing that was going on for me. Like because you're in this macho environment, for me it was football environment. It's like who slept with the most girls is the most renowned guy. Do you know what I mean? You get people yeah, look up yeah, to you the most yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. So I was just getting numbers and in I them was days. prolific in that department yeah. for a while. And I was never, you know, the best looking guy or anything, but I was in, like we talked about before, certainly once I got into my 20s and then up through to 40, basically, I was incredibly confident. You know, mm. and I was fearless. You know, mm. you think you're bulletproof until one day you realise you're not. But mm. until that point, I was frightened of nothing. And and that again can be an attractive quality to some mm. people. That wasn't an act. That's how I felt. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey ho. And I think I think some people focus on the because there's you know there's violence ahimsa um, practicing non-violence. So himsa is violence. So there's violence from physical, like it's observable mm. that you were doing. There's mm. violence that's psychological, like I've had parents, step parents, relatives. That this psychological abuse, it's, it's still, it's still violence. Yeah, and sometimes that's far worse. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The beating's I, over. I, it happens. Yeah, it's exactly. over. Psychological it's abuse can stay with you for yeah, the rest yeah, of yeah, life. Yeah, you totally. Um, and but one of the big things in Ahimsa is this violence towards ourself. Like, am I being violent? in my own mind, you know, am I following my path? Am I beating myself up inside? Have I got negative chat towards myself? What mm. was going on for you in a violent way towards yourself in those times? Lots of negative chat, yeah. I mean, there were dark times for, I'd say I'd been suicidal a few times in my life, mm-hmm. but maybe not suicidal, but just maybe a step above that where you really mm-hmm. don't like yourself. Mm-hmm. I was like that for a very long time. Yeah. You know, and I didn't like myself and, you know, I'd be out and everything would be great. And then I'd have time to reflect and, I'd, I, you know, I'd be mm. appalled at my behaviour and loads of inner turmoil. I just didn't like myself, yeah. you know, and they, life's better when you love yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not in a conceited way, but you need to love yourself because mm. then you'll be in a state of bliss and you'll appreciate your good qualities. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with focusing on those and that's what you give out to everybody else. If you don't love yourself, that will be apparent and you're either going to be depressed or, mm. or not a nice person externally, aren't you? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But then it's kind of like being easy on yourself after the event, knowing that well, those things that we've done is basically, is our interpretation of a, a series of things that have happened or expectations mm. from either the society, the area that you live in, like Bolton, the parents that you've got, the grandparent, granddad's reputation. It's mm. all like pressure on you to become this thing. And then you become this thing and you look at it and you go, it's fucking horrible. Do you know what I mean? But that, that to have that realisation, some people yeah. will just carry on being horrible until the day that they die. Yeah. Well, I think when you, when you wake up, and you realise, okay, I'm I'm not 
this person. I, mm. My past doesn't define me. Mm. I'm whatever I choose to be from this point forward. And I'm going to choose to give out love and I'm going to choose to show compassion and mm -hmm. I'm going to choose bliss. And mm -hmm. simple change in direction. That's already happened. Take the lessons from yeah, it yeah. and move forward in a different direction. Mm. That can start right now. Exactly. Today. It's a choice. It's a choice mm. away, isn't it? Yeah. It's like I still go in my mate's pub, all the lads I used to play football with, and uh, they're still talking about how hard people are. You know what I mean? Like, you were well like, hard. he's, oh, yeah, he's hard. Cock at school, and like, cock a Bolton. And... <laughs> 15. Like, he's talking about how bad people are. Like, yeah, if you're talking about boxing or a sport, like someone who's like the elite, mm -hmm. but 45 year olds in your local area, yeah, this who is gives it. a flying fuck? This is. <laughs> <laughs> I just look at it like, what? what's what's quite sad is you people that most people I say sometimes a, a nervous breakdown is a necessary part of a spiritual mm -hmm. awakening it's part of the process the shell's got to crack mm -hmm. you know you've got to undo it dismantle everything and start again because when you put something together mm -hmm. and it's not right for 40 years yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. then build on top of it sometimes oh, you've got to tick it down totally, and, yeah. and start again get the foundations right and then back up again and so when you see somebody that's 50 55 60 that's still brawling mm -hmm. that's still giving it all this with the chest out when they go to the bar that still speaks in a certain way to people mm -hmm. uh smaller people homosexual people women whichever a bully you know mm -hmm. this kind of thing when you see that that's really sad because Imagine never waking up and spending your whole life in that turmoil. I've had enough of that turmoil now. I'm, thank, I'm good, thanks. Ready? Let's start. Let's start with love and compassion. Exactly. Don't want to be doing that all my life. I couldn't do another forty years like the last one. It's yeah, been great. Yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed it. We've got here, but I don't want to do it again. Totally. No. Totally. So let's 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 dip into that. Uh, uh, some people might not like this who are listening to the show, but like for me, a lot. I had some great times getting off my tits. I had some great, created some great friendships, which I guess probably 90% of them I realise now weren't that great, but they seemed enjoyable relationships. Mm. Like what were the, what were the most enjoyable things or happiest times during that for you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one story. I meant, touched on it briefly the other day. The, I went to Glastonbury. It's a very random series of events, you know, uh, Lemony Snicket's series of events or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up, I'd fallen out, I think, with my father. So I drove mm -hmm. to Bristol to stay with my sister. I got a job down the road in a tofu factory. I started working <laughs> in the tofu factory and it was about 10 miles from the house or the flat. Uh, I was sleeping on a front room floor. Poor Bernadette put up with me. I don't know if she managed, but there we go. <laughs> I walked there and back every day. It was, it was like a two and a half, three hour walk to work and back. Yeah. And in that period, then Glastonbury popped up and I'd never been to Glastonbury. And I was gambling and I was addicted to gambling. And I'd gambled a lot of money. And so I wanted to go and I couldn't. And I'd run out of money, basically. And I had one last bet and I put this bet on. And it won. It was about an hour before everybody was leaving to Glastonbury. So I said... I'm coming. So I got in this car, went to Glastonbury, and there was a guy got in the car. The music was on. People walked past the house. We're all meeting to go to Glastonbury. Yeah, yeah. A guy got in the car, and he's come in and said, yeah, come in, everything. He said, right, who are you getting in the car with? He went, oh, well, I was getting with those and everything. And we said, oh, on the way, we realised nobody knew him. He was just walking past the house, and he'd ended up going to Glastonbury with us. <laughs> right? So we then, me and this lad... We had LSD at the time, amongst other things, but we had LSD. So he was tripping. And then I must be the only person ever in Glastonbury to have a fight. 
in Glastonbury. This guy came up to me and grabbed my blanket. Now, I had no tent. I wasn't equipped. I intended to stay up for four days. Most people go and that might happen. Mm-hmm. I intended it. I was going to party. Mm-hmm. And the guy nicked my blanket. I said, what are you doing? He said, I need a blanket. I said, well, it's my blanket. Give it back. He went, no. And then he took his top off. I ended up having a brawl in the middle of Glastonbury over a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who was with us was tripping. The guy who was with us was tripping. Went, what's happening? What's happening? I didn't know. He'd never had a trip before either. Uh, we, he didn't know us, didn't know where he was, and never had a trip. So this guy, <laughs> this guy bolted, ended up on my own. I'd lost all my friends and I had no blanket. So I went up to the stone circle and I, I saw these lights in the distance. I went up, wandered up. And I could hear this drums. I thought, oh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I love some of that. Go and sit up there. And as I walked up, everybody's dancing around. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm having some of this. Well, as I got real, I realised everybody was taking clothes off. Everybody was bollock naked dancing around this stone circle. I thought, nobody knows me. I'm in. And stripped off bollock naked and dancing around in, uh, to these bongos at a stone circle. So that was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to end it no. with, I couldn't find my clothes then and had three days of Glastonbury naked. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, was that blanket, guy. Lost all my clothes. I was that guy. You know when you see somebody <laughs> run past you naked screaming in the middle of Glastonbury? That was me. So that was that your yes. first experience with the Stone Circle then? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the drumming. yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's just one story. Obviously, there's hundreds of stories like that yeah, yeah, from yeah. that period. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, you're fully present and you really don't give a shit about the next day or the next day or the next mm. day, all you're focused on is having fun at that moment when you're winging it. Mm. And as a kid, you like that and you you don't think too far ahead. You're just having fun, mm. you know. And I did. I had a lot of fun, you know, a lot, lot of fun, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I was like with uh, with having a spiritual awakening. It was like a, a year before the end of the Mayan calendar, before the shift into the age of the feminine. This like yeah. five thousand six hundred year circle. I was like, oh, brilliant! I've had a really good time, and now I can take things a little bit more, you know, seriously. Like sort my shit out. I was like, oh, brilliant! I've got a year to do it, and I, I felt like I'd had you know all that trauma, but a lot of good times as well. Um, and that's what that's what it is like when people talk to me now about oh, I'm fucked. I've lost my job. I've reached rock bottom. Everything's fucked. I'm like brilliant. That's the most <laughs> amazing thing you've ever told me. I've been waiting for this moment for you to give me this call for so long. Congratulations. Start Do you think here. you're right at the bottom? Is there anything can get any worse? Oh well. Uh, okay. Let, let's wait for that then. <laughs> let's get right to the bottom because, like you said before. Destroying everything, dismantling yeah. it. It's got to all go. Mm-hmm. Totally mm-hmm. all got to go. You can't half do it. No. Because if this bit's still shit and you've still got your ego mm-hmm. or you're still a bit angry or it, it won't work, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what a nervous breakdown is. It's breaking down, you know, your structure, the system mm-hmm. that you built, how you operate, strip it right down, yeah, start yeah, again. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't find yourself until you lose yourself. You've got to let go. Exactly. Yeah. To yeah. find home. Mm. just let go and God will provide the net yeah. do you know what I mean but I love that Boom. when you if you say that to somebody and they say yeah I've lost my job and they said my wife's left yeah, me yeah, and yeah. I've just crashed my car and you go brilliant yeah. they're going to think you cold hearted yeah. bastard <laughs> one of my cousins like, he lost his job and he rang me it's happened a few times in different situations he rang me he's like oh, I've lost my job I was like fantastic I said what would this, you know the world's are waiting for you know there's loads of jobs out there what do you want to do and 
he said, he said, we're on the call and I hated you. And like, and then you kept talking and I was like, oh yeah. Oh no, I can do that thing now. Oh, there's that other job yeah, that I saw. Yeah. And you're so blinded in the moment that you can't see out of it. And exactly. everybody else was giving him sympathy. Oh, I feel so yeah. sorry for you. You know, like when people post stuff on Facebook, it's just asking for sympathy. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. nah, mate, you're not yeah, getting yeah, yeah. <laughs> it. Exactly I know exactly what you mean. When somebody's on the down low and they're going this way and they're giving out this vibe and everything's not going well and this is up and that's them. If you don't match that frequency and say, oh, well, it's all right. Tomorrow's another day. Mm-hmm. They can't, they don't resonate with that. It doesn't feed what Mm -hmm. they want at that time. And it really grinds them. They don't like to hear it. A couple of days later, when they're feeling better, they're going, ah, yeah, no, he was right. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know yourself, somebody's really happy and positive and you're pissed off. Mm -hmm. You have two different energies, you know. And and it's this person that needs to make the shift. Mm -hmm. Totally. Never lower your energy to match this energy. You can give sympathy to a point, but you need to say, come and see the view. Exactly. You know, exactly. take the hand, come and have a look what's up here. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's like when you go to a funeral, everyone's got the funeral faces on, aren't they? Yeah. And you're like, uh, I'm still going to have a chat and a good time. Yeah. I've not seen this person for years. Should we have a conversation? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we're paying respects, but I'm sure that in spirit, they want us to be here. We've not seen each other. Let's have a good time. Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate the life. Let's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got my funeral face on. Mm-hmm. Got my funeral walk At on. At the end, you, know yeah, I mean? you should you celebrate oh, the time yeah, that yeah. was, not regret the time that isn't. Okay. Sometimes you can't just switch to that and you're mm-hmm. going to be very upset. And I, I get all of that. But, and grieving's a process you go mm. through. But it should be joyous eventually. Once mm. you've gone through that mire at the end, you should look back and think, what a life. And I knew that person and yeah, remember all the good things. Because yeah. naturally our brain, you'll think of good things and bad things. Mm. Over time, the bad things always dissipate and the good mm. things magnify. And you remember yeah, yeah, the good yeah. things. You always yeah. do. Even sometimes when some people have told me about someone's died who's like, old and been suffering for a bit he's like oh my, my grandma died i'm like oh, that's, that's that's amazing like, <laughs> and they're going what and i'm like she's been suffering like you know she's in eternal yeah, bliss yeah, now like bliss. how yeah. amazing like she's she'll be really happy now yeah. like she's not in this world of suffering and they, they go oh, oh, and, it's, and they go yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right and, mm-hmm. and you know and it's that you can't say it so much with younger people because but it's still we're all on this path and it doesn't matter how long we've lived we can still live a full life if we've been seven and died, you know what I mean? And yeah. Or the thing where people go, oh, they were too young to die. And I'm like, mm. but there's no such thing. Mm. Everybody everybody dies at every age. People die before they're born, you know? Yeah. This is the thing as well at the minute. A lot of people are so worried about dying, they're not living. Exactly, know. mate. There's no <laughs> point. <laughs> no. Do you, do you want to spend the next 30 years in the current situation or would you rather just live your life and you might exactly. only last 10? I'll live my life, thanks. Exactly. No, I'll live my choice. life for a month. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, yeah. I'll just live my life for a month. But yeah, yeah that, that it's, just, it's just so, it's so fear-orientated. Like, if the... If the society that most people are stuck in now where they're in this fear-based thing, if I was up in heaven and God went, yeah, I'm going to send you down there to that that reality that they've created, I'd be like, nah, I'm all right. It's <laughs> fucking an insane asylum. No, if I need yeah. to re- go and learn something really deep and heavy that I've not learned, yeah, send me, but I'm, I, I, don't, I don't really fancy it. No. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I had a conversation like this recently where if I was born into any period, it wouldn't be now. I would much 100%. rather have been... This age in the 60s and 70s, you know, born maybe 1950, this era, before the phones, the computers, Mm -hmm. the internet, 
um, the text messages, the emails, before all of that, before all these television channels, before everybody's, you know, because life was a lot simpler then. And simplify, simplify, simplify. The less tech, the less stuff, the less material possessions, generally, Mm -hmm. the better the quality of life. It's lovely, man. There are communities that exist in, in the UK even where people are living you know, uh, together, they bought mm-hmm. a piece of land, they're existing, they're eco-friendly, you know, mm-hmm. with the building, they grow their own veg, things like this, so they're self-sustainable. They've taken the technology out of their life, and from what I've seen anyway, it's it looks wonderful, mm-hmm. you know. Because everyone just assumes you have to wear a bonnet and have a horse and cart and be a Mormon to, you know, to crack on with stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But, you know, you can still have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's, that's the thing that I was talking about, like, you know, we had this good time when we were taking drugs. You have this spiritual awakening. And for me, like when it first happened, I, had to, I thought I have to take everything serious. I can't have a good time anymore. I've got to be really disciplined with everything. Yeah. And then you sort of bed into it a little bit. And, and I'm having a better time than I've ever, ever had. And I feel better. I don't have the boom, boom, boom. I'm on this equilibrium of like yeah. the path of the yoga. It's sustainable like rhythm. This, this very small fluctuations yeah. like this. There's always going to be oscillations, fluctuations and variations, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you do not want to be doing this up, down, up, down, feeling great, feeling shit, feeling great. You want to mm. just feel nice. Yeah, <laughs> 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 what are your best tips for, to feel, for what, for, for Patrick, what are the things that just keep you on a level? Keep me on a level. Meditation. Um, for five years, I never missed a day. I meditated morning and night. And mm-hmm. when I was doing certain courses and retreats, I might even meditate for many hours. But now it's not like that. And like you said, I, I don't know. I sort of cut myself a bit more slack these days. But mm-hmm. I meditate. I have a yoga practice again. Not every day, but most days. Mm-hmm. Running, massive for me. Going up to running, being <laughs> up not, in the trails. Guys, it's not just a run. <laughs> this this guy is a proper runner. I go for a run for 45 minutes. He goes, I'm just going out on the trails for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> being, being, being in nature and running really helps to sort my mind yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. But there's other things as well. I think people forget that your diet's massively important. You put crap in your body, you're going to feel crap. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty easy. You are what you eat, you know. Put good stuff in there, you know, filtered water. Don't eat as much because we don't need to eat as much mm-hmm. as we do. And you start to feel good. Your energy levels are better and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a huge one is surrounding yourself with people, you know, your tribe, the people that have the same vibe as you, that energy. Because if you're with mm-hmm. those people, and I know because I've experienced it many times, especially if you're not feeling great, it picks you up you know we lift each other's human spirit I can make you feel good and you can make me feel good and put two people like that together and it's just one big party isn't it totally man and you like make sure the people that you um, associate with are fantastic because you're you're the average of the seven people you spend the most time with remove the negative people from your life if you're a spiritual person and when you're experiencing bliss Mm. and you emit that frequency the negative people in your life you're not going to feed the energy they need. You're not going to resonate with them. And if you don't feed that, they'll move away from you. They're not getting what they need. Positive people, you'll be feeding those and they'll be drawn towards you. And you'll end up, it's a natural process where however you're feeling here, that's what you attract. And you're going to end up with, by design, it's just going to happen, beautiful people around you when you're emitting love, peace and giving compassion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think all the, all the stuff... In the uh, with the coronavirus and stuff's bullshit, but dickheads keep them two meters away. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? Don't let him into your energy field. Keep him over there, man. Give me that, give me that social distancing sign. He's a dickhead there. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, DJ, if you're wearing a mask, stay two meters away from exactly, me. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not. But how long have you been with your missus for? Nearly ten years. Yeah. And where was you, where was you at psychologically when you met her? I was not in a good place. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd met her before all this happened, so she knew me when I was taking piles of cocaine and fighting. I mean, I remember. She'll remember, I came home one night, I was just covered in blood. Mm. You know, head to toe, covered in blood. I'd been scrapping. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it was very turbulent. Our relationship in the beginning was was turbulent, and that was predominantly because of me, mm. you know, because I was unstable. And we split up a couple of times, then we got back together, and then we were actually engaged at one point. Mm. I then broke it off. I realised I decided that I just did not want to get married again because I'd been married once before and it wasn't wasn't a great experience. But then I had my nervous breakdown and I went through what I call the shift, midlife crisis, spiritual awakening, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I changed and she's seen the change in me. And she's seen me through this whole period. And yeah, about 10 years. And... Yeah, I'm quite a private person, mm-hmm. you know, and in some elements of my life, some parts of my life. But we have the expression I use, I call us uh, quantumly entangled. Mm-hmm. And it means, and we all go QE, but QE <laughs> is quantumly entangled. And basically, she usually knows what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not having a good day, she'll know. No phone call, no nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can be connected to somebody on, on, on that level. Mm-hmm. So a long time, yeah. And she's obviously happy with you the way you are now. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But does she think everything you do is mad or is she like vibing off it? No, she vibes off it. She loves what we do. Yeah, we have a a nice life. Where do you see, like, where do you want to take Midnight Patrick? Where's his, like, I know obviously the path's never ending, but where do you see yourself in 10 years? Like, kept on your path, kept centred and you're in your bliss, where are you in 10 years' time? Well, what's difficult is, I, at the minute, this is one project. Mm. I've got seven projects I'm trying to take off the ground at the minute, and I've got a list of about another 30. I've so much I want to do. I've just so much I want to do, and that includes, I've had to pull the plug on the writing, and the second book's written, and I wanted to write seven, and I started Mm. the third one, and there's so much I want to do, and I don't think I'll ever get it all done in this lifetime, you know, but... I love doing this. Mm. I love doing the radio. I love writing, but it's very time consuming. And when you're doing that, you can't do much else. So the writing's yeah, going to... It's, gonna, it's on, over, doesn't it? Yeah, it's on the back burner <laughs> for now, the writing. Maybe that'll be something I pursue again in a little bit later mm. in life. But doing this, I'd like this really to take off because I've got to be honest, all the things I've done in my life, all the little projects I've done, mm-hmm. this is the one that I've loved the most. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love doing this. I've, every week, you know, I get to meet mm-hmm. one, maybe two new people part of a spiritual community mm. some amazing people like well, yourself just plop, plop, like you've mm. made friends with friends of mine from yeah, it i've yeah, made friends yeah. with friends of yours from that, just doing that show yeah. it's like boom. yeah that's how it happens and yeah so I, i'm hoping i can keep doing this mm. and you know i'd like to have a bigger studio i'd like to employ a few people mm. full time there's there's things i want to do 
If I can keep doing this, I'm a happy chappy. But if something else comes in that brings you more joy, you're, you practice non-attachment. So it's, Absolutely. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, this yeah. path is never... I never know where it's going to end. Yeah. I'll aim somewhere and then yeah. something will happen and I'll, I'll readjust. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's always changing, mm. you know. For example, I do the radio and I like doing the radio and we did say that if the opportunity, you know, if I got a certain job offer within radio, then mm. that might be what I pursue. You know, it, mm. you never know what's around the corner, do you? So no. just do what you love and the universe, just let go of everything and the universe mm. will, you know, usually correspond to the nature of your song. Exactly. And when something comes in, sit with it does yeah. it resonate is it the best thing for my path for my soul get the answer wait for yeah. the answer and the answer will come when i was teaching meditation i thought yeah this is it but then i thought no i'm gonna write a book no this is it yeah, then yeah, i thought yeah, oh, yeah. the radio oh this, <laughs> this is You're it like me, man. yeah and then i'm doing the radio and i think oh no no i'm gonna do some video stuff and it, it's constantly changing and evolving it always does mm. so i usually do a project get it to a certain point and then there'll be something else that excites me and I move mm. on to that. But at the minute, this is still going strong. This is this is what I want to do. But the beauty of this is I can do different things. So within this studio, I can do different projects. Mm. So that does keep it interesting, you know, like doing this show or doing I'm doing a special project with Sally Bolton at the minute and mm. doing a series of videos with her. She's from Bolton? Yes, she is actually, Great. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to do a project with Sandy Holt as well. And yeah, got lots going on. So yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Happy days. And yeah. so how does that... I guess it just, it just, for you, does it just look like you just grow in this spiritual community? Is Or is there, a, is there a specific utopia that you see at the end of it all? Well, yeah, I, I think, I probably not, can't answer that question that well, but what I would say is that if I had a bigger premises here, I'd have other people doing the elements of this that are very time consuming. Mm. And I, I'd be doing one of these every single day. You know, yeah, yeah, bringing yeah. people in and and rather than trying to acquire guests, which I used to do in the beginning, now mm. I don't. Most people get in touch with me and say, well, actually, mm. I know I've done an interview with you. you want to meet this guy? You want to meet this lady? And it, it just evolves. But yeah, that's, yeah, I just this, but on a a bigger, better scale, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah this was like the big, one of the mod modest things, like reading your book. I was like, you had a stroke in your 20s. Yeah. I was like, how does that happen? Yeah. Well, it's, it happens for lots of reasons, but one is working, you know, 140 hours a week, mm -hmm. something like that. Also having a terrible diet mm -hmm. and also taking drugs, a combination of those probably. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was, I was at a mate's house and I was having tea with him and then I just dropped my plate on the floor and my arm went all floppy and I thought, what the fuck's this like? And I couldn't feel my arm. And then... He took me to the hospital and then I had it, the like, that was the first episode, I had two or three mm -hmm. episodes and I was paralyzed, my face all went down one side and I couldn't speak, oh, my mm -hmm. face had gone, couldn't use my tongue, couldn't feel my tongue. And what's terrifying is you think, shit, this might be it, I might never recover from this because mm -hmm. you don't know you're going to recover with mm -hmm. the stroke, you really don't. And yeah, for six, took me six months to recover from that and I was on a lot of painkillers and yeah, really frightening times. And I made a full recovery, which, because I was very young, so I was mm. lucky. But yeah, just, I mean, if you abuse yourself, you mm. know, you don't sleep, you don't eat properly, you, what you do eat is crap, you drink really heavily, mm. you take drugs, and you're angry inside, and your system's full of tension and stress, you'll kill over. It's just a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're going to have a heart attack, you're going to have a stroke, you're going to have a panic attack, yeah. you're going to, 
you're going to become very ill. Mm. Did, did, that, did that wake you up in a certain aspect well, of it's, diet? It definitely stuff, slowed me down for a while that year because it, it scares you. You know, it's a health scare is the, mm. you know, one of the worst scares you can have because mm. don't matter how much money you've got, don't matter who you know, when your health's knackered, you know, you so you need to look after yourself. So yeah, mm. I started to look after myself a bit more for a little while and then I did it all again. So you needed another weight. Oh, yeah, I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few, yeah. Jesus, I thought a stroke could wake most people up. Yeah. You were strong, it, mate. It you did were resilient. For a while. It you were resilient. Yeah. Resilience of the awakening. So, when was the last time you were physically violent? It's a while ago now. It's probably about six or seven years ago. Last time. I mean, it's not that long ago, is it? I was mm. 41, something like that. And I think I was in the a venue in Bolton. Mm hmm. Somebody come up, started giving me shit, and I just went, you know, just pack it in. I'm not interested. Wouldn't stop. This went on for a while. Uh, and, yeah, I snapped. I lost it. And, yeah, I beat him up and dragged him outside. That, that happened. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. last time I was violent. Mm. And that was pre, you know, manjusri, mm. pre my nervous breakdown. Right, okay. Yeah, that was the last time I was violent. Um, and when, when you was violent that time, was there a... Uh... How did it make you feel? Awful. Yeah. Mm. Felt awful. Yeah. I probably had thoughts about it after that, but that was the last time I actually reacted. Mm. And and I think be, prior to that, it had gone from being, as I was younger, it was, you know, very frequent. Every mm. week. Every week. Yeah. Every week, literally. And then it thinned out a little bit. But then when it did thin out, it may be that the events were less frequent, but they were more significant. Mm -hmm. There's an incident, if anybody knows me in Bolton, there was an incident. I can't give too many details because, you know, I don't want to get arrested. <laughs> but there was an incident in Bolton at a certain venue and I beat somebody up outside and that was about 10 years ago. And that, that was messy. You know, it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, the person, I don't think anybody would question the person. The person had it coming. You know, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't a nice person. But, and I wouldn't say that, usually it was my fault. You know, I might mm -hmm. think there was justification, there wasn't. But on this occasion... I wasn't a nice person. But, yeah, that was, the events were less frequent, but when they happened, mm -hmm. when I did blow, you know, it was, get out It's like way. you're making up for the get fact out the way. you hadn't yeah. had one for a while. Yeah, and it was, yeah, yeah. oh, it wasn't good. Yeah. But then the one after that, about six, six seven years ago, was less significant. It was just, mm. you know, I punched some of the head about ten times. It, yeah, you know, yeah, not yeah. great, but, you know, I wasn't, I didn't cause them, they weren't hospitalised. Mm -hmm. And so since that, last act how many times you've been put in situations where you would typically have reacted like that oh probably loads yeah but, yeah. but those thoughts don't even come to my head anymore they're gone yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I can get I can get annoyed it's very mm -hmm. it doesn't happen very often but it, that, that can happen but I'd like to say that I might get a little bit vexed or annoyed but I don't mm -hmm. get angry mm -hmm. I never raise my voice because that's not in me you know it's just mm -hmm. not there uh, and I don't have violent thoughts there's one exception. There's one exception. And I can't give you details about it, but there was a time, and it's actually only about a year ago, and somebody did something to me that was horrible. Mm -hmm. And I had violent thoughts, and, and, and mm. that made me feel really, really didn't sit well with me at mm. all. It's the only time for years that I had those violent thoughts, you know. Mm. And it felt very alien. And But, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I don't... Last time I raised my voice was 
probably about, I don't know, three or four years ago, something like that. It's a while ago. I remember it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but yeah. it's not I'm restraining myself from raising my voice because I'm angry and mm-hmm. I don't want to express that. I'm not angry and I don't yeah, want to yeah, raise yeah, my voice. Yeah. I don't need to. And yeah. I've learned this beautiful thing about you can try to change somebody's mind or you can have a conversation with somebody, but if, if it ain't working, it's to move away. Totally Step right. back, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to match your frequency. Whatever you're doing, I don't. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, like I always used to say, there's um, in order for the in order for there to be conflict, there has to be two sides refuse to totally, be one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and whatever you resist, persists. If you're pushing against something like this, somebody's angry, and yeah. and you're doing this kind of thing, you're holding it up. The yeah. second you take away that resistance, it just it disappears, you know. You, I can be angry at you, but if you don't give it me back, I'm just shouting into nothing, aren't I? It's not yeah, doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Um, I think, you know, it doesn't mean being spiritual, being non-violent. It does, you're not going to take shit off people. It's still like, whoa, mate, no, that's that's unacceptable. I'm still mm. going to tell you when you're out, yeah. when you're out of line, mm. but I'm not going to get angry. And then what I'm also not going to do, which is the biggest teaching and the biggest blessing is I'm not going to, carry that with me afterwards yeah. it's just it's happened flap your wings Boom. and shake it off like a Bosh, swamp get on with yeah. me day you know what i mean come home and i'm like oh yeah are you okay how are you doing what happened to you oh and then maybe you'll tell the story afterwards not come through the door this this bit ah, yeah, you know what yeah, i mean and, yeah, like, yeah, and that's what like you were talking about the construction industry before mm-hmm. my stepdad would come home yeah. and he'd bring everything home with him yeah yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah. And it's like a surgeon bringing what's happened in the hospital home it's like not acceptable i, I talk about this that you can have somebody, if you're not on a, in a good place, you've had a mm. bad day, and your family are all at home here, or your partner, or whatever, you need to readjust, you need to lower mm. your, you know, your, uh, reduce your anxiety, stress, whatever, and so if I felt like that, I would go and have a minute, I'd go and park up and just sit, mm. sit for a minute, or whatever, mm. and you need to be able to undo that, because otherwise you're going to give it to everybody else, aren't you? Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where a little bit of a toolkit, some skills to, Reduce yeah, your stress yeah. levels coming, you know. Yeah, a, really lot of ad- a lot of adults don't have that. Mm. Toolkit. Some people, and you forget, because my world is su- surrounded by beautiful people most of the time, mm. and it is, I'm very fortunate, mm. but you forget that for some people, that's completely normal. It used to be normal for me mm. 15, 20 years ago or whatever, but it's normal, and their lives are full of this stress and Constant, this yeah. um, conflict, and it's there every day, and they have all these... Oh, I couldn't cope with that anymore. You know, I, I, I've lost the skills to deal with that. You know, <laughs> I just, I, I won't let myself get there because to be in that situation constantly, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I could cope. It's a process because like you were saying about the, putting the toxins in your body, it's the same thing. You're putting them thoughts in your body mm. and you're putting loads in and more in, then your body's going to start going, uh, 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 yeah, but become... you just like, you just put the first one in. It's like, no, that's not, I don't need that. Boom, get away yeah. with that. It's just yeah. anger. I can choose something else. It's when you become quite peaceful and blissful, you become aware of how you feel inside. And when you don't feel good, mm. it might you might have to catch yourself and you'll have to slip a little bit off your path and then you think, what's wrong? Pause, mm. stop, analyze. And you think, mm-hmm. ah, okay. And then you readjust. And yeah. I still have wobbles. I still have days that don't get, go great. But what I have done is I've recognized the signs quite quickly when I'm out of sorts, mm. out of alignment. And I have the skill set to pull myself back fairly quickly, yeah. not to let myself spiral. Exactly. You know? But what the main thing in our society is that nobody takes responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. We live in a society of blame. Yeah. So if somebody's feeling mm. like, you know, the job 
the job, ah, this, mm. oh, this just cut me up, ah, bring it in with you. It's like, oh, no, 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 it's, it, don't blame somebody else. Your condition, your state of mind is totally your responsibility. Absolutely. It's not at the mercy of any other circumstances that happen. Like me and my friend were talking the other night and it's like, if this thing goes off, what's going on in the world right now, and we end up in concentration camps, we're going to be fucking fine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. All is good. Like yeah. whatever situation, all is good. Equilibrium. Blame, blame can't exist in a healthy mind. That's what exactly. Wayne Dyer used to say. Exactly. You know, there's nobody else to blame. You make your own choices. You arrive somewhere, accept responsibility for that. And in doing that, some people see it as a negative thing. But the second you do that, you think, mm. oh, so I'm responsible. I made those choices. Mm. Oh, I made those choices. Exactly. I can make yeah, different yeah. choices. Totally, totally. And what I can do is somebody who's projecting violence towards me, projecting hate, projecting anger. I give them compassion and love. Mm. It's like, whoa, what is going on in their life that they've got to behave like that? That's unprovoked. Like, what's going on with them? It even makes me feel emotional thinking about mm. it now. I was talking about it in my class yesterday because I had, a, I had a, a little incident cycling home last night. Like, I was cycling and I was, like, eating some chocolate because I was, like... Can I just tell you what I'm thinking there? Like, you're riding along and your willy pops out your oh. pants or something. <laughs> Oh, this little Thank incident. You know. I was flashing people. Do you know, do I didn't know. know. What, do you know what? Like, my, uh, well, I do tree surgery, yeah. So one of the lads is up a tree, and uh, the customer comes over, and uh, he's up the tree and trying to, you know, the customer comes sometimes, so you get a shape right out. You, you know, where do you want it lift into the tree? And um, she's looking up at him, and she goes, "Sean," and he's talking. And she goes, "Sean," she's like, "What?" And she went. Your bollocks hanging out. Your bollocks <laughs> hanging out of his ballistic trousers <laughs> at the customer. <laughs> uh, so like, oh my god! <laughs> that would be bollock wasn't hanging out, brother. <laughs> so you're riding your bike on the way home, and you had an incident. So I'm riding yeah. my bike home. Got a flat jack because I was feeling a little bit. I was like, needed a little boost. And uh, these two, like, cy proper cyclists, like, I've got leggings on and stuff, and uh, I don't know, I've got leggings on, so maybe I look like a cyclist, and I've got a racing yeah. bike. They go past me, and then I'm just kind of keeping at their pace, just tailgating them the whole time. And we get to near Northenden, so I've been been with them for probably, like, four miles. And he's uh, like, uh, you know, when you sense there's a bit of a queue behind you, yeah. people are sort of trying to get past, and this car had plenty of space to get past, but obviously he's a bit dithery. And then... I can hear like beeping and I'm like, oh, someone's getting either angry with us or angry with the person who isn't coming past us. And the beeping's going even more. I'm like, what? And then as this, eventually we get to this wide stretch after about, you know, probably only 500 meters of this situation. Yeah. And the first car goes past me and I'm like, oh yeah, it is. it's like a little dithering guy, like a young guy, but you know, you could tell he was a bit of a ditherer. And the next guy goes past and he goes, get a fucking wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, shut up, you prick. I'm like, what? I was like, shut up, you prick. And, and I was like, oh, was that a bit violent? But I was just like, that's unacceptable. Like, yeah. you, you can't, like, but then in my head, because the two guys in front were proper cyclists with all the gear, with the cleats and stuff, yeah. I'm like, I'm not even a pro I'm just commuting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm to get him and go, excuse me, I'm just commuting. I have got a life. And I'm like, no, that's unacceptable. Even mm. if that is their life and their passion, how are you to judge that? 
And then I kind of like wanted to chase him and have a conversation with him, just to just settle him, you know what I mean? But then he ended up going one way, I ended up going the other. And I was just like, how beautiful it is, is it? that that's not part of it. I just was happy again as yeah, soon as it yeah, had gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm thinking, and I, I was thinking exactly that. I'm thinking, um, I felt so much emotion for this this man. Mm. Like, how angry are you? Huh? How impatient are you? What's going on with your world that yeah. you have to behave like that, that? That's real compassion when, for example, now there's a lot of people that are frightened and you've got to remember that, you know? Yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. are frightened. And so that's why maybe people are behaving the way they do. You know, somebody gets angry and, you know, there's a little bit of turbulence in the world at the minute. And so understanding that somebody might be having a bad day. The mm. parent could have died yesterday. The cat exactly. could have got run over this morning. They might have lots of money worries. The partner might have been having an affair. You, you don't know what's going on in somebody's life, do you? So, But to be able to smile again straight away, when you don't let external events Effect, you're in an emotional state when you experience bliss and joy, and this doesn't change that. When the song inside is louder than the music outside, you're in the creation process. Mm. When this is louder than that, this isn't penetrating, this is expanding, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, mm. which is which is really beautiful. And I kind of what's been coming up for me a lot recently is um, knowing that in our civilization, there's no Nobody just go and, goes and sits and does nothing. Yeah. Indigenous cultures, there's long periods of time where someone will just go and sit just by be, a tree yeah. and just do nothing. We have to be doing something all the time. I guess yeah. the only time I do it is when I'm like sunbathing or something, but yeah. I'm still doing something. Yeah. I'm sunbathing, you know what I mean? It, it, it's like we're all in this race all going at 100 miles an hour and there's yeah. no finish line in sight you know we're just going 100 miles an hour till we die exactly. <laughs> no finish line yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. when can we like step out of it and think it like i'm trying to implement that of just even if i know i know you say it's having a bath but can i get in the bath and just listen to the trees and the traffic mm. and do i have to have a podcast on do i have to be listening to music yeah can i listen to the sound of the water can i breathe in the water can i mm smell the scent of the bubble bath that I've got in where I've got all these exterior factors going on none of that really counts does it it's no. it's filtered out I think for me certainly if you're on holiday you're in a nice place and the sun's shining I generally do switch off really well then mm. you know especially when the sun's shining I love the sun on my body it's just a beautiful feeling isn't it I'd like some right now bro <laughs> <laughs> I know I know I, I feel you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it, it'll come when it comes and it, you know may's not that far away april's not that far away usually get me top off in april get a bit yeah. of vitamin d bit of sun on your skin feeling yeah. healthier which is beautiful um what does patrick what does midnight still need to work on oh god there's a big list yeah <laughs> what would yeah. be your top three things i need to work on balance I do things to the extreme. I always have done. I still do it. I do healthy things to the extreme now, but I still mm. extreme. I really struggle with balance. When I find something that I'm passionate about, mm. I can't half do it. I just want to do it all mm. the time. I think the other thing is sort of running hand in hand with that is sort of time management. Mm. I struggle to fit things in, you know, and I, I need to factor in, I need to prioritise things that, 
like the meditation and the yoga should always come before everything else, but I don't always do that. Yeah. And I think the third thing is my relationship with money. And I've either got lots of it or none of it. Mm-hmm. That's generally how it goes, up and down, left and right. And I struggle mm-hmm. to find any kind of sustainable rhythm with money. And I wish that could change because it would mean my life would be less stressful, shall I say. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, probably those three things. I think I'm most of the time I'm pretty nice to be around. I know that I need to have time mm-hmm. on my own so that that means that when I do engage with other people, I'm mm-hmm. pretty happy. I love my life. I love my friends. I love the people that I spend my time with. I'm a happy guy. Mm. Yeah. So much to be proud of, isn't it, man? It's mm. a lot of work gone into it. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> another another thing that come up from the book, which is something that I struggle with, is knee issues, man. You talk about you know your meditation practice and how a lot of your physical ail- ailments um, just went. Yeah, disappeared mm. from free meditation. Mm. Well, straight away, your body is a miraculous healing machine. Mm-hmm. It can heal almost anything. In fact, some people recover from cancer. Some don't people. Mm-hmm. Some people don't recover from cancer. It can heal almost anything when it's operating correctly and your mind's right. It's designed, you know, you cut yourself, it heals. Mm-hmm. If you put tension in the system, it becomes rigid Things don't flow, you know, your, your circulation, your, your lymphatic system, the energies around your body, you've got blockages, you're stressed, you're tense, you're anxious. Get your mind right and everything starts to flow and, mm. you know, it's flexible and it starts to heal, repair and grow. So once you meditate and you become happy, they say disease can't exist in a happy mind. If you're mm. in a state of bliss, you're very unlikely to get ill, you mm. know. They reckon 90 to 95% of all illness is psychosomatic. And, and that means that basically if your mind isn't right, then then you develop the illness. But there's And people might say, no, it can't be. Well, actually, if you read my book, it is. You know, this is, I'm quoting real statistics by the, there's a board uh, panel that deals with health insurance and they provided these statistics. Mm-hmm. If your mind isn't working right, you won't sleep properly. And if you don't sleep properly, you become anxious. You won't eat properly. You won't have, you know, you'll have mood dips. You won't have a lot of energy. You can see how this cycle, and that all just comes from having a busy mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so a healthy mind, things start to work a lot better. Your joints included. I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. if you get arthritis, for example, think that what I'll do, I'll, you know, I've got bad knees, I won't use my knees. Au contraire, no. <laughs> Use your knees. If you stop using something, it's going to seize up. Mm. It's like a clock or a watch. You need to keep the cogs moving. So my knees were knackered. Mm. And I went to Beaumont Hospital and had them x-rayed. And they were going to, they wanted to, you know, do three operations on each knee, give me new knees potentially. And I wasn't mm. going to be able to run, let alone maybe not even walk. Yeah. You know, I was going to be in the right state. And so I ignored them and mm. I started running. You know, and then I ran a bit, ran a bit, then Ironman, and then obviously into marathons, ultra marathons, etc. And ran and ran and ran, and my ligaments, my tendons, the arthritis, completely healed. I don't mean like mm-hmm. you know feels a bit better of it. It's gone. So do you think they healed from doing more? I think they healed from being in a happy state, from having a mind that was working correctly, mm-hmm. and from using them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, use something. I mean, even if you have. 
for example, if you have a joint and this is the situation, it's not working properly. If you use it over a period of time, they become smooth again. Mm -hmm. You know, they, there's things that the body, in theory, can't heal, and they say it can't heal and stuff. But I believe it can. Jody Spencer just talks about you, how you can um, like reprogram. You can get your body back to it. Everyone's body has an original blueprint of like yeah. pure bliss in the bliss state and he went you can program your mind to heal any part of your body any disease within the body can be healed through the mind well i definitely 100 percent believe that i don't know who that fella is but yeah i believe that absolutely yeah yeah he basically healed Jody, his whole is it a bloke or a joe dispenza oh, he's, he's a bloke oh yeah. i know who he is sorry it's the way you said it with your yeah. man accent <laughs> i thought you said joey dispenza or something <laughs> Joe Dispenza. <laughs> Joe Dispenza. Yeah, know I know him. he is. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. he's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I guess we just like start to wrap up the show. But um, would that be your biggest medicine for anybody then? If you was advising anybody, uh, like, as, you know, Dr. Midnight. Okay. What would yeah. you prescribe them with? I think we'd have to go and start with the meditation. Get the mind quiet. Experience mm -hmm. some... Some part of your day, introduce a little bit of stillness. Mm -hmm. Get this right. Everything else in your life will start to improve. Mm -hmm. If you get your mind right, it pervades into every aspect of your life. You'll start to hang around with nicer people. Genuine, nice new friends will appear out of nowhere. The job that you wanted to do all along, something you love to do, it will happen. The universe will help you. All these cogs are working in the background. And if you experience a state of bliss and you meditate and you become peaceful, everything else will take care of itself. That's all you've got to do. It is the number one priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have to, you know, apply some energy somewhere. It's, you know, it, it helps if you join in and, and assist the universe. But number one, the mind, you know, and I, I, there's a joke quote in the back of the book. And I say, mind first, bum second, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people put the physical side of, you know, the attributes first, you know, the super fit but yeah, if yeah. this ain't working right you know it's it's not enough get this right mm. you'll naturally start to want to eat healthy foods exactly. you won't want to put a big juicy greasy burger in you mm. when you're feeling really nice and you know light and you good energy and everything's floating around you won't want to eat crap yeah, yeah. you know everything will take care of itself so mm. so yeah i'd say start at the beginning start and try and develop a small meditation practice yeah and that, what I said, because it, it's even just a small meditation practice for some people seems overwhelming. Mm. And I think something really simple that I teach a lot of my students is pick one moment every day. Something yeah. happens and that's beautiful. It might be the interaction with a child. It might be a landscape. It might be a piece of art. You know what I mean? Just step back from your existence and go, that's my moment today. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that one in. I'm banking it. That means you've been present for one moment in that day. And yeah. that's a perfect place to start from. I think the reason why a lot of people struggle with the even a small amount of meditation is Blaise Pascal says all man's problems stem from his inability to sit quietly in a room on his own. When you're sat in the darkness on your own, when there's nothing else there and there's no, mm. no external distraction, no noise, there's nowhere to hide. You've got to deal with your shit. It's, not, it's never going to go away. Deal with it. Once you deal with it and address it and face your problems head on, they dissipate, they disappear, they dissolve and usually don't come back. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, brother. It's been absolutely, Thank you, Liam. It's Thank been you absolutely very much. amazing. Thanks for giving me this opportunity to yeah. 
flip the tables on you. What a, a wonderful journey that interview was. That was lovely. Thanks. I love yeah. the man. There's loads of levels. It's like we're on mm. a little roller coaster, but a really enjoyable one. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. So thank you. Interspersed uh, with ridiculous amounts of laughter. Exactly. Well. And, yeah. and the bollock. Yeah. <laughs> I've got with the bollock. bollock now. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, no, it's been amazing, man. And like, uh, just yeah, really appreciative of the friendship and wonderful. all the connections that we've been making together. Yeah. And yeah, that's everybody. That's that's the show. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon. That was me flipping the tables on Midnight McBride. Uh, have a beautiful week, everyone. Shalom, shalom, brother. Shalom, brother. Boo! Booyah! Booyah! Awesome! Awesome! Sweet. Awesome! Sweet! Awesome.